1: you could go with me, back to where I started from, then I know you would see.
0: Take your Bibles if you would. Uh, eventually we're going to go to James chapter 5, verse uh, 7 and 8. Uh, the title of the message tonight is, Keep Farming, this is uh, specifically for Gillespie and Phillips. Keep farming. One old boy. I've been around farmers out, especially down here. I live beside Six L's Farm, which is 5,200 plus acres, 5,200 plus acres. uh, On the one side of me, and the other side of me is another farm that's 3,000 acres. uh, Where I had a hunting lease, I was part of a hunting lease uh, that Alico Incorporated owned. And that guy was farming, I don't know how many acres, but totally, he was farming 40-acre pieces of land planting tomatoes in them. And I would be out there, uh, oftentimes very early in the morning, like he would be, uh, during the times when the tomatoes are planted here, it'll often frost or freeze. Well, if you freeze, tomato plant, you know. If, in fact, if you, what I learned from these farmers, if you mar the fruit visually, it won't sit and nobody wants it. Even if it tastes good, nobody wants it. So they're really producing the fruit, most of this fruit, most of this goes up east into the uh, grocery stores and everything up in the east coast. And that's where Six L's is based. Uh, Six L's are six Jewish brothers, Lipman brothers. One of them I know that I've met lives out in Immokalee, and they have farms all the way up in the coast, all the way in North Carolina, South Carolina, who knows how much land they own and our and our leasing and farming. So farming's quite the deal. I uh I heard the one guy say out there on the hunting lease one morning, because I went out there one morning we'd had a hard freeze. And he was out there by the field lamenting. He was an older man. He was in his fifties. And uh he he was he was lamenting the fact that he just had put a hundred thousand bucks in that field and it was shot. They were gonna plow the whole field under. How'd you like to plow under a hundred thousand dollars? And so I felt bad for the guy a little bit. I said, uh, uh, what are you going to do? And he said, what does a farmer ever do? You plant again. And he said, we'll plow that back under and plant it again. And he said, this is my second field that's been frozen out. So it's $200,000 worth of investment that had been frozen out. And I was feeling even a little more sorry for the man until I said, I asked the question. I said, well, if you get a field and uh, it gets to market, and everybody else gets frozen, you know, pretty much. But somehow you make it. he says, well, if we get a good, a good crop and the market's right, I, uh, we gross a million dollars. I said, so you got 100000 in it and you gross a million. He said, that's correct. I said, that ain't bad. That ain't bad profit. So I ceased feeling sorry for him immediately. Because I figured he'd only lost two fields. And he had eight more to go before he was at break-even. So, uh, but what he said to me was a statement that I really liked. He's, he's definitely a southern boy, you know, and he just, uh, farmer's a special breed. And, and he said to me, he says, I tell you what, I love farming. I just love farming. he said, if I won the lottery, I would farm it till it was all gone. And, you know, farmers always tell you they're never making any money. They're always losing money. Everything's against them. There are a lot of things against them. But I personally appreciate the farmers. How about you? Like today, I appreciate the farmer. Uh, you know, when I eat fruit, I never eat a piece of fruit. I don't think somebody had to, you know, spray that and grow that and watch over that and, and for, you know, water it, plant it, and all that. And, I, and, and nothing you eat doesn't take some labor, man. And I get a kick out of these people that are, that are against killing animals. I'm for killing animals. I just want to say that straight up and down. I ate at one today. I ate maybe two of them today. <laughs> I mean, if you don't kill an animal, I'm not going to eat him alive. I'm not going to do it. The Bible's against eating, drinking blood. They're not for it. And so uh, uh, you, those people are against killing animals. I mean, like, what are you talking about? You know, you eat chicken, you eat pork, you eat beef, you eat lizards, snails, and you know, lobsters and fish. Everything's got to die for you to eat it. That's just God's way of doing things. They're a strange group of people. But watching these farmers do this, uh, farming is amazing. I watch them, uh, they, they plow it, they plant it, they water it, and then they get frozen out. They, they plow it, they plant it, they water it, and they get frozen out. They plow it, they plant it, and they water it, and maybe they get a crop, you know? As I watched, I thought of what it took to succeed as a farmer. What does it take to succeed? I hope by God's grace to relate some of those lessons because that tweaked me enough to go to the Bible and to search from one end to the other, really, of the Bible on God's uh, usage of farming as an illustration of spiritual application. I thought, Ooh. what I found out was bigger than what I thought I originally was going to find out. I can tell you the title of this is Keep Farming. Keep Farming. Keep um, Farming. There is a parallel in the Bible between our spiritual life and our duties that we are to do for God and and farming. There definitely is a parallel, though. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, deals with the parable of the sower. That is all about farming. Uh, Also, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30, has the parable of the tares and the wheat. That has everything to do with agriculture and farming. I I suppose you know this, that less than probably 100 years ago, maybe a little over 100 years ago, most of America, 90-plus percent of America, was agriculture, was rural, was living out in the country trying to make it. Uh, We have flipped. Now, why do I believe that we are in the end times? Well, there's a lot of reasons why I believe we were... We are in the end times. Uh, I will not tell you that the end times are September. I will not do that. In fact, I can just about guarantee you wherever that, whenever that red, uh, blue, that ain't going to be it, uh, uh, because uh, he's not going to come as a thief uh, if everybody knows what's going on. I know Christians. We know. Uh, we, but we don't know the day and hour. We know that we know really the season for the thing and how it comes. The, the, the period of time we know we're getting close. I think we're living in a time historically It's never happened before. It is possible that it happened in the flood area, but I don't know that for sure. But I can say that we're living in a time since the flood that we've never had before. We've never had a time of industrialization like we have. We've never had a time of technological advancement like we have. We've never had, as far as we know, cell phones since the flood. Now, maybe before the flood, as, as Solomon said, nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Maybe all this thing has rolled, rolled over one time and God buried it two miles or so down, so you don't know about it. And he's doing it, and he's going to let it happen again. But I don't know all that. But I can tell you, I do know historically this has never happened before. We're living in exciting times of days that have never been duplicated before. Now, imagine century after century after century after century, life pretty well went on the same. You with me? When life was agricultural, when it was rural, when... when it, it was pretty much the same. Tom, your dad, and, and I don't know about his dad or how they farm, but people farm from generation to generation to generation to generation. And it was only when came to about your time where you could go to college and you could learn to do something different. You could learn to like doctor animals and stuff and and, and not be otherwise your whole life. If not for that, your his whole life would have pretty much been on the farm doing what his dad did. And then his kids would have been on the farm doing what, Brother Tom did, and that would have gone on and on and on. It's because of the advancement, in um, uh, in the industrial advancement. Imagine, have you been out west and seen those boys plow those fields? I mean, they got a tractor that I've never even seen anything like. it. It looks like a Tonka toy, some of them big old massive. And it's got, they spread out, looks like they spread over 100 feet wide, maybe even more plowing and and reaping and and sowing those fields and then the water things that go around, those big huge water, you fly over the area and you see these circles of green in in the midst of area that really could not sustain a crop because it's just too dry. I have no doubt that we're in the last time, no doubt. But uh, the farming illustrations would speak up to the last hundred years. Think of how clear, the farming illustrations, would speak to farmers. But truthfully, I, I'm looking at a bunch of people here that probably have very, re- really, very little clue what it means to farm, including myself. Uh, maybe, brother, maybe maybe brother, But I mean really what it means to, to grow because you need to eat. That would change my whole focus. How about you? If this crop fails, we don't eat. That would change my whole intensity line and go like whoop up to up, up intensity I stay up all night long in case of a potential freeze amen trying to be a fan in a couple of plants maybe maybe they wouldn't maybe they wouldn't freeze or something like that wow what changes in Matthew 13 there are seven parables two of them deal with agriculture now let's read James chapter 5 as he speaks about it, it says be patient therefore brethren under the coming of the Lord behold the husbandman that's a farmer waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rains. Now, that's nice. That was nice. But what's that got to do with you and me? Verse 8. Be ye, plural, also patient, establish your hearts. He's speaking obviously to them spiritually. For the coming of the Lord draweth now, do not be discouraged if things don't happen as fast as you think they ought to happen. Do not be discouraged when your plans don't quite work the way you think they ought to work where we're, we're wait upon the Lord but well, maybe one of the hardest commands of all the Bibles wait upon the Lord because as a farmer plants and then he he waters and he fertilizes and he, and he tills not he has to then just sit back and wait upon God interesting. Agricultural um, illustration. Paul uses it in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7, another agricultural illustration is used. Jesus uses it again in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 38. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He's talking about farming again. Why? He's talking to an agricultural group of people which for the majority of the history of of the world has been the way it is. Uh, Obviously, there's a spiritual truth to be learned by watching the farming process. That's a conclusion I came to. For it must reflect the image of our present struggles some way or another. So let me list for you uh, about 10 areas that parallel farming and our spiritual life. First of all, when... um, Farming involves a field. It takes a field to farm. Well, that's interesting. Jesus said in Matthew thirteen thirty-eight, the field is the world. The field is the world. Uh, he told his disciples after dealing with a woman at the well, lift up your eyes. The fields are what? They're white to harvest. That's all farming illustrations, man that the we we have been planted in the midst of the field. We're here. We, to farm, you have to have a field. Um, some, pro, some farmers have trouble with having not enough land, not having enough land. We don't. We Christians, we got it. The whole world. The world is our farm. Brother, we got plenty of land. Get out there and start scratching the dirt. The second thing you say, you have to... Have a farm is it takes seed. Seed makes sense. Well, Luke chapter 8, verse 11 says, The word of God is the seed. Okay, so the word of God is the seed. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So there again, not only is it said, in uh, Luke is what's said also by Peter in First 1 Peter 123. Uh, so we have what it takes to birth and grow Christians. We have land, we have the field which is the world, and we got the seed. But now that's not everything you need to have a farm, is it? You also need laborers. You have to have laborers. Uh, the Christian we, you and me, born again believers. We're God's farmers. we're God's laborers matthew 9 thirty seven the harvest truly is plenty, but the laborers are few. Remember we talked about few this morning. I want to be part of the few. If the laborers are few, I want to be one of those few laborers for Jesus. Uh, the field we got we got the field, right? We got the seed and now you to have a farm, you've got to have laborers and we clearly are. The laborers were to pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that's the Holy Spirit, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. One of the prayer requests we should have, Lord, send people into the fields which are white unto harvest with the seed, the word of God. Because we're farmers. We're farmers for God. Some truths here. And by the way, uh, you can have all the seed that you want. But if you don't have the people to distribute it into the fields to get a harvest, uh, you're not going to get a harvest. Um, you need some way or another, uh, it, that seed, which is po- is a seed, is there any problem with the field? No. Is there any problem with the seed? No. The problem is we've got to get the seed into the field. And God needs you. He could have used the angels. He could have used uh, some other supernatural mechanism. But He chose as a Christian you to get the seed. You understand why the prime directive of the church is to go into the world and plant? Go into the world and cast some seed out, throw some seed out? Why? I think somebody gave Chris uh, Barrow, somebody gave you a a sport coat uh, recently, or did somebody give you a sport coat and there was a gospel track in it? No, that wasn't you. Did somebody give somebody a sport coat here at the gospel? Brother Moon, didn't you tell me that? You didn't tell me that? (laughs) Oh, was that you? What happened? Tell me. And he's, I don't see Adam. The one time he's not here, I'm using him as an illustration. What is that about? Adam was given a sport coat. And in the sport coat was a gospel track. Back there. A gospel track in the sport coat. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You can't even buy coals in Bonita Springs without getting a gospel tract. A seed. We want it to grow. Woo! I like that. I like that. There's uh, I'm tired of hearing reasons of why people are not, not getting out into the field. There's, there should be nothing. There's nothing hindering. You say, well, times are hard. Look, I'm a farmer, man. One of the ten reasons is you can't discourage me. Because you're going to have to shoot me to stop me. Because I know that if I keep throwing the seed out into the field, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen pretty soon. Something will happen. I've heard people knock the bus ministry because oh, yeah, all you do is pick up a bunch of little kids. Brother, I've seen whole families save in the bus ministry. I've seen people give testimony. Brother Crabb, right over here, Pastor Crabb, pastor of church for 40-plus years, he got saved because a bus worker came by his house. The seed, the growth, glory to God. Don't you let people naysay you and tell you, well, things ain't like these. Well, things may not be like it. We may be in a little drought. We may be in a time of, of trouble. But, brother, we have to keep sowing because we're farmers. We're farmers. Farmers don't feel right. if They ain't out there planting and sowing. No crop has ever harvested that there was not a field and some seed. And some people to take the seed to the field. Do you want to know why why churches are dying in America? Why independent, fundamental, Bible-believing so-called churches, many, many of them, or too many of them, are dying? They quit sowing. You can't quit sowing. Well, if I'd have been in that farmer at Lico, at the Lico hunting lease, and I told him, Well, you know, son, you've lost you've lost two fields, uh, two hundred thousand bucks. You've got to quit. Why, he'd have looked at me like I was some kind of crazy fool. That's why he told me, he said, if I won the lottery, I'd just farm until it, it was gone. And he had a little kind of a half a smile on his face. That's because he just loved it when he came, when one of them fields came down the tubes, and he had a big old harvest of perfect looking tomatoes, and they went up into the east, and he got a million dollar check for that. He said, I wonder who the fool is now. You have to have a field, you have to have seed, you have to have labors. And fourthly, it takes work, four-letter work. It takes work, personal effort. Jesus said, go ye. Again in Mark, he said, go ye. Uh, in, In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace is what bestowed upon me was not in vain. Why? Because I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Oh, no work, no harvest. No work, no harvest. There's no easy way to get the seed to the field, to get the field prepared to receive the seed. It takes work. And there's no different for you and I, in parable of the sower or any of that, to go out into the world. We have to work. You're going to have to give up some of your Saturdays. You're going to have to give up some of your evenings. You're going to have to give up some of your. Oh, I've heard people tell me, well, Brother Bill, I don't go to Sunday school uh, uh, church. I don't go to Sunday school uh, on Sunday morning because my wife and I like to go out on our porch in the morning and have us a little. I have hot coffee. She has hot tea. I read the paper and we get to a little chit chat a little bit. I looked at that guy and I go, What do I look like? Some sort of fool? I'd love to do that. I love to be able to go out on my porch, get up, you know, sleep in nine o'clock. I would never do that, but I mean, it's a dream. Sleep in uh, six thirty, get up, and, and and you know, go out there, make my little cup of coffee, make my wife cup of coffee, go out there, and say, oh, for an hour, we don't need to be at church till uh, eleven o'clock. We be at church at eleven o'clock. What would that be like? I'd probably get divorced two three weeks later. <clears throat> I told that person, what do you don't think I, my wife and I would love to do that? But I've been commissioned by the great commander-in-chief to go out and to preach the gospel to sow the seed. This ain't no playground we're in. This ain't no little, little ditty we're doing. This souls of men are at stake. And God, the one that saved me, said go. So I give the time up. And keep giving the time up. By the way, let me just add this in as a caveat. This life is not the rest. In Hebrews, it says the rest for the people of God are after you die. When you die, God says that eternity He's got prepared for you, He labels that rest. Woo, glory. That's when there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tear. That's the rest for the people of God. We're still going to work, but it's going to be like a rest. It'll be so wonderful. It'll be like a rest to work. But not now. This isn't the time to rest. This is the time to work. To put our hand to the what? Oh, another farm illustration there. Fifthly, Okay, so we have to have a field, we have to have seed, we have to have labors, we have to work. Fifthly, we plan. We have to plan. We have to go to school. I used to think farming was a duh. I used to think anybody could farm. I used to think it didn't take much education. It didn't take, you didn't know how to spell, didn't know how to read, didn't know how to do arithmetic, didn't have to write to, to be a farmer. Until I started to try to grow something. And some of you, could go into the exterminating business. Because <laughs> if you buy a plant, it dies. Let me just tell you, I have been trying for 30 years to grow a particular plant. What is that plant that flowers, and smells really good, the white one? Gardenia. I cannot grow a gardenia. That's partially because I've never been educated on how to grow a gardenia. I put pickle juice on them, they die. I put other vinegar on them, they die. I put other stuff on them, they die. People tell me all kinds of wives' tales to try to grow them. They all die. I love gardenias. I love the way they smell. They get infested with bugs or they die and they get weak. I love to grow. It's not easy to grow. Buddy, I go to those nurseries and I see those healthy, green, vibrant Full of blossom gardenias, and I say that person there—they, are got some smarts, man. <laughs> they have figured out how to do them gardenias. Woo! It takes some schooling, brother. It takes some edu- education. It takes some putting your hand to the pot pl- to, to to be a farmer in God's in God's farm. You got to learn some things. Got to put your mind to it. You got to memorize some stuff. You got to, by the way, a little trial and error is not bad either. I think here's the way it works. It works like this. The older, experienced farmer who has weathered many a storm and has recovered from from many failures and hardships passes on his learning to the younger farmer so they can progress faster and get bigger crops. The younger farmer is not supposed to start from scratch, throw off all the previous uh, learning of the former generations, have learned because of his pride that he wants to do it on his own. That's what discipleship is. We older folks, we're going to help you younger folks to hopefully progress better than we've progressed because you're going to get an advancement and push ahead because of some of the failures and stupidities and things that we've done. The same thing with firemen. Your daddy teach you what to do, what not to do. I bet he told you a lot of stuff. What to do, what not to do, when when the cloud looks like this. when They can even even read the weather, man. Amazing. So, number six, so we have a field, we have a seed, we have labor, we have work, we have planning. Number six, we plow in hope. We plow in hope. That's optimism. You've never been around a more optimistic group of people than farmers. They always think the next crop's going to be the big one. Oh, we failed the last four or five crops. And we had everything, but the next crop. It's I'm going to tell you, a farmer by nature is an optimist through and through. They think it's just around the corner that this next crop we're we're going to be actually be able to pay for the tractor. That's right. They plow in hope. You don't believe it? it's Bible? First Corinthians nine ten. For our sakes, no doubt that this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that is thresheth in hope shall be partaker of his hope. I like that. You know what? When it looks hopeless, it's not. There's always hope in Christ. There's always hope. You say, Brother Bill, I had somebody come to me years ago, and they said, I've witnessed for 20 years. I've sown the seed. I've given tracks out. I've talked to people. Not one person got saved. What in the world am I doing wrong? I said, you're not doing anything wrong. Just keep plowing. Keep firing." Keep sowing. And it wasn't, I, I, it wasn't a month or two later that they led us somebody to Jesus. They came to me and said, I just led somebody to Christ. I said, praise God you didn't quit. You keep going, keep going. You plow and hope. Eternal optimist, keep it up. The um, Bible says in Romans 8.24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what doth he yet hope? Well, what's the point? For if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience, wait for it. So we have a field, we have seed, we have labor, we, we work, we plan, we plow in hope. Number seven, it takes watering. What is watering? Repetition. You keep watering. Do you water one time and not do it again? Yes, my wife does that, but most people don't. You water and you water and you water and you water. That's what's going on in my house right now. I'm getting watered and watered and watered and watered and watered and watered and watered. you got to keep watering and keep watering. You know, as much as it has been raining, I have a plant, a flower. It's an impatience, I think it's called. And I have a fl- uh, hanging out by my house. And as much as it has been raining, I haven't been paying attention to it. The other day I went out there and it was like this. I said, I looked at it and I said, how can you possibly be thirsty?" There have been eight inches of rain in the last two weeks out here. I went and got water, poured water on that thing, it went. Thank you. We got to keep watering. That's right, you got to keep watering. That's repetition. I like where Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Oh, Uh, We're all working together. Buddy, everybody in this room is working together for one goal. Every born-again believer is working for one goal. We want a crop! Number eight, it takes waiting. We must wait. Be patient. Ooh, this is the hard part. We must wait and be patient and, and just... You know, okay, it didn't happen. Okay, it didn't happen this year. Okay, we're going to do it next year. Okay, next year. Uh, Next year, we just keep up. We just keep on doing what we know is right to do until Jesus comes. Hopefully, a new crew takes over. They've learned something from us, and they go on and do it again. And farmer after connects to farmer, connects to farmer, connects to farmer, and here we are in 2015, all the way from those disciples who were told, you guys are the first farmers. You go out, start sowing in the field. You sow the seed in the field, and you, you plant and you water and you, you care for it. You plow and do all that. And then that went on to another one, another one. Here we are today. We're still linked. Praise the Lord. Buddy, I don't hardly go anywhere where I don't thank God for farmers. I praise the Lord. When I went out west, one of the biggest things that moves me when I drive out west is to see the effort in growing corn and wheat and on those crops and rice. I didn't know Arkansas grew rice. Arkansas grows rice. Wow. Those people don't have. Number nine, it takes replanting. It takes replanting. That's perseverance. So you have to have optimism. You have to have repetition. You have to have patience. You have to have perseverance. You just can't you just got to be discourageless. You just can't give it up. You're just not go- you may cry yourself through the night and not seeing God moving, not seeing nothing growing, But you, and you may be heartbroken and that just moves you to cry out to the, the giver of all that is because the tenth thing about farming and the last thing is the only one that actually can cause anything to reproduce is God. So the bottom line to all of I just mentioned, those nine things, is if God doesn't touch it, if He doesn't cause it to have life, you'll not reproduce. It's got to be God. It takes God to do it. So we look to God and we say, God, help us. We need some divine intervention here. Give us the increase. If we see We go through dry times. We go through drought times. What's that do? It just drives us to our knees, amen? God help us. God help us. Give us some increase. All this we're doing. We need help. We need help. We have a field. We have seed. We have labor. We need laborers. We work. We plant. We plow in hope. That's optimism. We water. That's repetition. We, We wait patiently. We replant if we have to, and you will. Over and over, you, you sometimes will get a plant, you have high hopes in it. You have high hopes in it. And a fungus will get it. Right now I got a, I got a, a queen pound in my house. And at one time, those were some of the most, I used to come home at night, they were planted as I enter into my place, and I'd see that those queen, and they would just be rich and strong. Now they're all a little puny thing. But you know what happened? Got one of them fungus. They got a fungus now in the queen pound and it got that fungus, and I've heard there's nothing you can do but just cut them down and, and you know, uh, rip them out. I've done everything. I put manganese on that thing. I put nitrogen on that thing. I put potash on that thing. I put prayer on that thing. I've gone out there and touched it and said, Lord, help this pound. Oh, don't you laugh. I've seen God heal some of my stuff. I, had, I told this before. I'll tell it one more time because it's raining and you don't, you don't want to go home yet. I had a little baby wild pig. It was about that big. It was real, real fresh, like a day or two old, and it was real vulnerable. I took a little wild pig and I was trying to force feed it, you know. And force feed it, and it would reject it and throw the stuff up and it was it had colic. I'm not a vet, but I'm just saying. Uh and I kept I kept forcing the milk in it and forcing the milk. Thing got weaker and weaker. And and uh I called Brother Tom and and uh My wife came out. We went. Well, I'll never forget. We, we both were going to work that morning early, and she said uh, she had tears in her eyes coming down her eyes, just tender, tender spirit. She said, "Is the pig gonna die?" I said, "Yes, the pig's gonna die." She went in there. She started crying, looking at the little pig because it was pitiful. looking. And if you ever you never seen anything cuter than a baby pig. So maybe a baby beagle, but. That little baby pig was in there, and she bent down, and she's crying. I felt bad for her, and I said, Kathy, let's pray. I felt a little stupid. I felt a little, I actually felt a lot stupid. I'm thinking we got people starving, dying in the world. I mean, human beings are dying and suffering, and we're praying for this pig. But then I got to thinking. I see the sparrow that falls, and I care about the hair upon your head. I care about the little things in life. And I thought, I guess this may not be so stupid. I said, Kelly, that little bit of faith here, let's pray. And so we sat there and, and we asked Jesus to save that little pig. I mean, not spiritually, but to save the pig physically. And would you would you save that little pig? It's the truth. I got a little tear in my eye, to be honest with you. I got a tear in my eye about it because was, it, it touched my heart. I thought, you know, God, I wouldn't you know, you're the God that cares. You're a God that cares. One thing I've learned about God, He cares. I know He cares. And we went back, and I, I, and I said, tonight when I come home from work, we'll see what's going to go on. Eight hours later, and you know that's a long time. I come back there, and the pig is better, notably better, running around the little cage. I went to give him some food, man. He just, go, that food down. I thought, he got healed. <laughs> I told Callie, the pig got healed, man. And that pig grew up. We raised it up to so big and then let it go in the wild so it could go d- dig up your lawn. And And I tell you what, I, I saw a miracle. God cares about the little. You know what God said to me? He kind of, It was like God bent down and whispered in my ear, son, I can't. About the little thing. said, Lord, forgive me for not understanding how wide and how big and how deep your love is. We're farmers, folks. You say, I'm not a farmer. You are. You've been born in the Spirit of God. You're part of the family of God. You're part of the family of farmers. And uh, we are a bunch of farmers here at the gospel. And that's what we're doing, is everything we're doing, you can summarize, is that we're, we're farming. We're doing every one of those steps And at the end of it, we say, God, please give some increase. Please give some increase. I hope you'll have a new sense of understanding of God's mission for you as a a child of God. To go out there and do those ten things. And put your hand to and don't look back. And at the end of your life, when it's all over and He he, he, he takes you home, the fruit's going to be waiting for you. The fruit's going to be waiting for you. He'll say, here, oh, I hope, I hope this happens. I hope I get to go to heaven. He said, uh, one of the angels says, here, here's somebody that picked one of your gospel tracks up out of his sport coat. And here he got saved. This is John Doe here. Let's meet him and get to hug him and say, praise God, John. I'm glad you got saved. He'll say, oh, by the way, here's another one and 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 maybe by the grace of God a crowd of folks would be there waiting for you and say we got saved because you were willing to talk to us or we got saved because you were willing to give a gospel track out we got saved because you invested in a missionary to go to the Congo that shows how old I am right ain't in Congo I don't doubt that's going to happen and you'll meet those people that crop because you were willing to do what you just sowed the seed in faith day by day father help us help us to farm help us to keep farming help us not to give it up help us not to get discouraged thank god for the farmers in this world that farm and don't get discouraged and keep going and keep planting they lose a crop to drought they plant the next year double They lose a crop to disease, they figure it out and plant again. They lose a crop to bad soil, they they, they rotate to crops. They rotate to fields, they rotate to crops, they they water different, they do different. They keep constantly, innovatively looking at it, creatively looking at it to try to do better. It's because they're looking for a crop. How much more, oh God, should we as born-again Christians look for an eternal crop of souls? How much more? Would you want to bless what we do to see people saved? Add to us. Father, we pray everyone in this room without Jesus, even tonight through the word of God, they may be birthed, they may be birthed and they may go forth as a farmer for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. When I stood How could I boast of anything that I've ever seen or done? I'm not. Brown oh.